This episode of Let's Talk Drones, the podcast is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Drone Association. Look, if you fly drones in Pennsylvania or anywhere else in the Mid-Atlantic region, being a member of the PA Drone Association can open the door for business connections and opportunities that you don't get anywhere else. Plus, you'll have access to the latest news and trends of the drone industry to help you stay ahead of the curve. Businesses that rely on or deploy UAS solutions can also benefit from advertising and exposure opportunities on the PA Drone Association's website, social media platforms, and at their many events held in the state of Pennsylvania. Become a member of the PA Drone Association today by visiting padrone.org. What's up? It's Chris, the Drone Geek, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Drones, the podcast brought to you by the PA Drone Association. And today's guest is me. (laughs) So just real quick story. I had a guest scheduled for this month's episode of the podcast, and unfortunately, they did have to cancel last minute. Now, we have rescheduled a new date to record the podcast, and I will be able to do it a different month this year. I'm looking at maybe September is when they'll be on, but my schedule's about to get very cramped when it comes to the time that I have because Katie and I are going to Alaska for our vacation this year, and that's going to be in the middle of August till about the end of August. So I really only have maybe three workable weeks, and I didn't want to have to scramble to find a new guest, do research on them, understand what they do and how they fit into the drone world, and then record the actual interview with them, edit it, and get it ready to post. I just don't have the time to do that. So instead, I figured I haven't done like a getting to know you type podcast with me yet. Probably should have done that for my first episode, but you know, here we are and I'm doing it now. So this is the perfect opportunity and I thought we'd jump into it with this particular episode of the podcast. So if you like listening to me talk, you're going to love this one because it's just me. But the way that I wanted to format this was rather than sit here and just ramble aimlessly, which I've already tried two or three takes of this particular podcast where I ramble a lot and work in some questions from you guys on Instagram that you submitted to me after I asked for them. Instead of doing all of that, I figured I'm just gonna answer the questions and fill in details as I go because a lot of the stuff that I wanted to cover is stuff that you've already asked me. After posting that request for questions to Instagram, we had almost 160 responses to it. So. Thank you very much for responding in the volume that you did. A lot of them were duplicates, so we hammered that down to about nine questions, eight really valid questions. There's one at the end that I'm gonna include just because I think they deserve it, and they're gonna be the only person I identify as my question askers as well, because you know what? I just need to do this. So anyway, let's jump right into it. I'm Chris Frable, the Drone Geek. I'm also the owner of Drone Geek Productions, the lead pilot there. I'm a part 107 certified pilot, and I do everything from just photography and video with my drone all the way up to 3D rendering and mapping. I do everything that you can possibly do short of like thermals and search and rescue. I haven't quite gotten into that side of it yet, and I don't know if there's room for me there, 
or if I belong in that sector, if I'm qualified for that sector, I have to really do a lot more research on that before I would even consider adding those types of technology to my arsenal. But my fleet consists of currently a Mavic 2 Pro, a DJI Mini 2, and a DJI FPV, which I just recently purchased. And if you've been watching my videos recently especially, you would know that that was a very difficult decision for me. So uh, I ended up buying the DJI FPV, and it's a really great drone. I'm having a lot of fun flying it. But anyway, that is the consistency of who I am as a drone pilot, what I fly, and now I wanna jump into the questions you have for me because Let's Talk Drones is a podcast that I like to have as a free-flowing conversation that provides the listener and the people participating a look into information they might not have already had or information they might be interested in and a way for them to learn and grow within the drone industry and just in general because even though this is a drone-themed podcast, I do like to expand outside the realm of drones because at the end of the day, we all may be drone hobbyists or drone professionals, but we're also all people too. So it's nice to mix some other non-drone related stuff into the podcast. But let's jump into the first question. What got you started flying drones? And again, I'm just gonna keep everybody anonymous because I don't wanna go through and ask if it's okay if I reveal identity and I don't want people's feelings to get hurt to if they submitted the same question and I didn't pick them as the credit for it. So everybody's going to remain anonymous except for question number nine. So first question, again, what got you started flying drones? This one is goes back to 2017, I believe. My dad that summer purchased a little Hubson drone, and this thing, I forget what the model was, but this thing was just this little white drone, it almost mimicked like an FPV drone in the way that it handled. You didn't have altitude hold, so you actually had to use the throttle to keep it at the level that you wanted it to. So it was sort of a challenge to learn how to fly, but what was really cool and what I remember specifically about this drone is it came with a remote controller it didn't just have like all the switches and flips and stuff you needed to do tricks and to fly it. It also had a built-in TV screen, like a, just a little tiny screen, maybe three inches, that you could see a live feed from the drone on. Now, it was garbage resolution, like 360p or something like that. Might not even have been that. It could have been 240 for all I know. But... It was a lot of fun to fly, especially since I didn't need my phone or an app to fly it. It just literally sent the video feed to the controller in an FPV style through radio frequency, and you were able to monitor it live. And it was just so much fun to fly. My dad got that for himself originally, and then he said, you know what, you learn how to fly this and then teach me how to fly it because I can't just pick it up on my own at this point in my life. So I started flying it, and I had a great time flying it. And at the time, I hadn't considered drones as something that I would consider like a long-term hobby or a career, let alone a career. But there was something that sparked in me, an interest. Like there was just something that peaked and I, I had a lot of fun. And I just remember thinking to myself in one flight, like, yeah, I could, I could definitely do this. This is something that I could spend some time on and learn how to do, and then I can show my dad how to fly his drone. And that was the intention at first. But my dad also saw that spark in me and I give him credit because he never really revealed that he saw the spark in me until the following Christmas. So all this time he saw that I was interested and maybe just wasn't letting on how interested I was in it. It was just something that he and I did together and I didn't really take it any farther than that with him. But he and my mom went out and at the time I didn't realize how much of an investment this was in me, but now I do. And I just have to say mom and dad, if you're watching this or listening to it on Spotify, 
thank you so much for the investment because had you not done what you did that Christmas for me, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I still have a long way to go, but I certainly wouldn't have even made it this far with what I'm doing or even gotten into it at all if it weren't for your very generous gift because that Christmas in 2017, they purchased me a DJI Phantom 3 Professional, which shot 4K video, had an awesome camera for pictures. It was way more drone than I was ready for or had prepared for. And that's sort of what started the whole journey for me because shortly thereafter, I actually moved to Lancaster, which is where I live now. And I lived here for about the past three years or so, maybe a little more than that. And I my interest just kept going up and up and up. There was a certain point where it plateaued and I was just flying it every once in a while, like on weekends where I had nothing else to do and the weather was decent, I would take it out and fly it. But overall, I just went from a very pedestrian interest to, okay, really interested to all of a sudden I've got the Drone Geek brand <laughs> where I've got it now, which has come a long, long way even in the past year. But that's that's what got me started to fly drones. Shortly thereafter, just to give you a timeline of how everything went down, I moved to Lancaster in 2018. I lived here for a full year and over that full year is when I sort of just flew my drone on a very pedestrian level every once in a while, the Phantom 3, put it away over the winter and I didn't really get it out again until the following year. And that was only to prepare myself for what was to come. So Katie, my girlfriend, when I started dating her, she really brought me out of my shell as it relates to just going out and experiencing things and traveling and seeing new things and experiencing new foods and new cultures. And she's just been a godsend that way. She's brought me out of my shell so much and I love her to death for it and many other reasons too, of course. But uh, anyway, back in 2019, she wanted to do an international trip with me. Now keep in mind, up until I met her, I had never even flown before. And she was the one that sort of got me to fly. I flew to LA for my first flight on my own, which was crazy uh, for a first timer anyway. But anyway, she wanted to go over to France because that's a country I had expressed interest in visiting. So we planned this trip to France and I thought, you know what? It's already gonna be really cool that we're in France and taking pictures and touring through on our own and just seeing everything that we can possibly see. What if I took the drone with me? And then I looked at the Phantom 3, and if you don't know what a Phantom 3 looks like, I'm gonna put a picture up right now. This is a Phantom 3, and as you can see, if you're not familiar with it, it is a somewhat bulky and cumbersome drone uh, for what it is and the size that it is and the category that it falls into. It, there's no compactability, there's no folding options, and the landing gear, which are those two little plastic stick legs at the bottom, serve as the landing gear and the antenna, but they also add a lot of height to this drone. So it's not super convenient to travel with, let alone internationally. I'd have to get my own for it, probably have it checked, put it down in the cabin, or not the cabin, but the hold, and who knows what's gonna happen to it down there. So I thought, okay, I need something else. And that's when I found the Mavic 2. It was just at the height of its popularity in terms of when it came out, and once it caught fire, and everybody was like, this is a great drone. And there were two different models at the time. They hadn't come out with the Enterprise models yet, but they had the Zoom, and they had the Pro. And I looked at the Pro and I thought, ah, oh, that's good, but it's a little expensive for the budget that I had at the time. And then I looked at the Zoom and I thought, it's still expensive, but I saved like 200 bucks by going with the Zoom and not the Pro. And then I found the option of pre-owning or buying a pre-owned drone and not smart. I would not recommend it to most people. Uh, you're going to want to buy a drone that is brand new so that 
there's as minimal risk for things going wrong inside the drone as possible. You don't know what people did to drones, how they altered them, what repairs they did on their own to them. So it's really important that if you can help it, you don't buy pre-owned, unless it's like certified refurbished by DJI, that's, that's different. So anyway, I bought this Mavic 2 Zoom and I saved a bunch of money by doing it pre-owned and I got it and super compact, has that zoom feature and I thought I can get really close up shots without getting super close. So I took it over to France and flew it and probably broke a million rules. <laughs> so it, responsible flying is big for me. And back then I wasn't quite as serious about it in terms of flying responsibly. And I didn't do the research that I should have done, especially going into a foreign country. Flying it there, I, I should have done a lot more research. But regardless, the multimedia that I got from that trip was fantastic and I had so much fun doing it. And that trip, is sort of what inspired the whole Drone Geek brand to come about. So I started my Instagram account shortly before we left for France, and that's sort of what got the ball rolling for me, and that's when I started to take more photos and do more videos, and I posted the France content, I posted Lancaster content, all this stuff that I was collecting through my drone, I cataloged on my Instagram and I cataloged on my YouTube. And it went from being Drone Geek Lancaster, this kid in Lancaster that just likes to fly drones, to something that was hopefully destined to be much, much bigger, but has certainly grown exponentially since then into the Drone Geek brand. So that's what got me started flying drones. That's sort of where I'm at since then and where it's taken me to this point. Uh, the next question that we have here is, where do you want to go with this? And this being the drone thing. Do you wanna do full-time? Do you wanna do a part-time? Or is it just a hobby for you? And my answer is, I want to do this full-time. Now, there are two facets to doing this full-time. The first one is Drone Geek Productions, which is the multimedia, the aerial multimedia company that I created in March, 2020. And I officially made a business in March of 2020. Right before that, you know, pesky pandemic hit, which was an interesting time to open a, a business. <laughs> Maybe the smartest business savvy or the best business savvy, but here I am, I'm still doing it. And I'm, it's been a year, so I mean, I've still got a lot of time before I know whether this is gonna be a pass or fail type of thing, but that's one side of it. The other side of it for me comes in the form of the Drone Geek brand brand on social media. That's mostly on Instagram and YouTube, but I also am on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit as well. But I, I've really been trying to build that too, because I would like to have, even if Drone Geek Productions doesn't go well, I'd like to have some supplemental income to at least fund flying drones for me from my social media platforms. And that's really where I'm taking this. So the answer is, ideally, I'd love to do this full-time. I'm willing to accept doing it part-time on the social media side if the business doesn't work out, but I would love to be offering full-time aerial imaging that includes video, photo, mapping, renderings, whatever the case may be, anything you can do with a drone, I would love to be offering that as a full-time job and then have a social media platform on the side that allows me to generate extra income as well as reach people that might be in my shoes as I am right now, like just getting started and just getting your feet wet in the drone business. I think I can offer a lot of help in terms of advice and pointing you in the right direction. And that's really what the purpose of my channels is, is to share my content, the stuff that I capture with my drone, which I try to make it as interesting as possible, but also to share information and help people get into the hobby and get into the profession. That's, those are my two big goals with that. But yeah, just to summarize again, full-time is really ideally where I'd like to be with this. So that is a, a really good question. The next one is, tell us a story about you as a beginner messing up. 
This one's a good one because as a beginner, I messed up a lot on a lot of different scales. So the first mess up I've already sort of alluded to, I broke rules all the time, not intentionally. I was never one of those people that was like, I'm gonna break every single rule that I can. Never did that and that's not who I am. But I was also ignorant. I didn't understand just how much of a responsibility it was to have a drone because I was never really fully aware of how dangerous they are and how capable they are. What I mean by that is a drone from DJI is much different than a model aircraft because you can only go so far with a model aircraft and you can only do so much with a model aircraft. Whereas a drone from DJI, Autel, Skydio has these ridiculous capabilities. It can go five miles away in perfect conditions anyway. Really, like you're lucky to get three if, if you're in a populated area it can go thousands of feet in the air. And like with DJI, there is a cap at like 1600, but that's still pretty high. So you've got this piece of equipment that can go high and far and can cause a real risk to people below it and objects below it, as well as other aircraft in the sky, whether it's another drone or a manned aircraft, there's just a lot of responsibility that goes with it. So my biggest mess up is more of a general thing. I remember flying as high as I could. I remember flying as far as I could. I remember flying at night. There were just a ton of things that I did that were just blatant disregard for the rules. And it wasn't a disregard. I guess that's the wrong term. It was just not knowing the rules and not caring enough to research them. And since I've become a part 107 pilot, I've taken the rules much more seriously and I hold them in a very high regard. So if you're flying commercially, <laughs> I like, and you don't have your part 107, I, I got nothing for you. Like, uh, <laughs> get your part 107. Just follow the rules. I know there's a lot of people out there that just want to fight the power and they think it's FAA overreach. But the fact of the matter is the part 107 tests your knowledge and your understanding of the rules and how to navigate airspace safely. So if you can pass that, and now that the recurrent test is free, there's no reason that you shouldn't go out and do it. Just show that you have the knowledge, show that you have the understanding, and then just carry on with your life and play by the rules. That's the biggest thing that I can say to anybody. And if you are a recreational pilot, they just put in, and I, I did a video on this not too long ago that I'm gonna link up in the corner here. They just put into place the trust test, which is the recreational UAV safety test. You have to take that if you wanna fly for fun. Even if you have your part 107, you still have to take that test to show that you have an understanding for the rules, how you navigate through airspace safely, all of that jazz. Now, I do think that's a little redundant for part 107 pilots, but I understand there's a difference between a commercial flight and a recreational flight. So you sort of do have to have two different licenses for that or certifications for that. So I get it, but it is a little redundant in some areas and the FAA is a government entity. So there are going to be redundancies. Anyway, that's one of my big, more general mess ups. Uh, I've got a few other stories, but I wanna roll that into this next question, which is, have you ever wrecked a drone or lost one? So the answer to the second part of that question is no, I've never lost a drone, thank goodness, because I've heard some horror stories about losing drones in water, losing them out in the woods, and the deal with like DJI, I don't know how it is for Autel or Skydio, but the deal with DJI is, more often than not, if you can't recover at least a part of the drone that you crashed or that you lost, they're not gonna do anything for you when it comes to the care refresh. Like there's nothing that they can do to, rep not nothing they can do. There's nothing that they will do to replace the drone or to give you value back on the drone. You're, you're basically lost at that point. So thank goodness I've never lost a drone, but I have had, I think three or four wrecks 
with a drone and I'll fill you in on those right now because I have some footage from some of those wrecks. So I'll just sort of play that because I don't know right off the top of my head while recording this which footage I still have and which I don't. So just bear with me, but I'll play them as I'm talking about them when I edit this all together. Uh, and for those of you listening on Spotify, I'm sorry, there are gonna be some visual parts to this episode so that people watching don't have to stare at my ugly mug for the next like 20 minutes or whatever, however long this episode's gonna be. Anyway, my first accident was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I was flying my Phantom 3 and I took it to a playground and I thought, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to fly it through that playground equipment. And the thing was about that is <laughs> I, it wasn't that cool because I crashed it. Uh, so I flew up to this playground equipment and the intention was to go through this metal structure, which again, if I had any understanding of how this drone actually worked, I would have known that flying it through a metal structure probably wasn't like the first move I should have made when it came to doing some kind of stunt or daring move through an object, whatever the case may be. Uh, Anyway, I approached this metal piece of playground equipment, started flying through the gap that I had set for myself, and I immediately froze as soon as I got too close because I thought, oh crap, this is happening right now. And just as soon as I froze, something happened with the drone that got sucked up against one of the metal bars and it just pounded against the playground equipment, flipped over and landed on its top while the propellers were still spinning. So as a fairly new drone pilot, watching this all happen to my really nice, really new drone was super alarming. And it was scary for me because the propellers were breaking and I thought, oh my God, I just screwed up this piece of equipment. I'll never have the money to uh, be able to get one of these on my own. My parents are gonna be pissed. I was 24, so like, eh, if they're pissed, they're pissed. But still, I, I feel bad for ruining something that they got me out of the kindness of their heart. So. I, I flipped the drone over other than a few broken propellers and the gimbal was a little screwed up. I had to have that repaired. Everything was good. So I was super happy to find out that that wreck didn't cause any major problems. And come to think of it, the wrecks that I've gotten into haven't caused any major problems at all with any of the drones. The second wreck that I had was at the Star Barn in Lancaster County. So this one, every year at the Star Barn, they do a Christmas lights display. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be to take my Mavic over to the Christmas lights show and fly through the Christmas lights and sort of create a video with it. So I did that and I didn't fly beyond visual line of sight, but it was dark and there were a lot of Christmas lights around the drone. So it was hard for me to differentiate between the lights on my drone and the Christmas lights. So I could see it, but I also couldn't see it if that, if that makes any sense. So I'm flying this thing and I'm doing just like a backwards, like half ellipses away from this bridge that was really nicely lit up. And I didn't see a tree behind my drone and it got caught up in these like little branches. Luckily that one didn't crash. It just got caught up in the branches and got spun around real quick. And I thought, oh, great, I didn't wreck, I'm good to go. So as soon as I go to bring it back, because at this point my courage is completely drained and I have no reason to be out there at this point, I'm, I'm very humbled by what just happened. But as I go to fly it back, I realize that it's not handling the way that it usually does. And that's when I knew something was very, very wrong, despite the fact that it didn't hit the ground. So I limped it back to me reluctantly, or the drone reluctantly limped back to me anyway. I don't know how it made it all that distance. It was probably 40 or 50 yards at that point. And I was able to get it back to myself in the dark, through the trees and all of the Christmas lights as well. When I got it back, all but one of the propeller sets was completely busted. I mean, this thing was flying on nubs like this big on either side. It was a miracle that it was even still airborne. So I got it back just had to replace propellers really there was no major damage done to the drone itself it was just the propeller set was gone which sucked because i only had one propeller set at that point and i was grounded 
like in terms of I couldn't fly it until I got more propellers. So that sort of sucked, but overall, not a huge cost to me. The third wreck happened on a real estate shoot. I was flying the DJI Mini, the original Mini, through a house and just getting some like real smooth footage with the drone in the house. And I figured the Mini with the prop guards on it would be perfect. Well, it turns out the prop guards don't protect you from everything. It actually sucked a curtain against the prop guard that I was as I was flying through like a back door, a glass door. It sucked the curtain against the prop guard, which didn't allow for airflow so that the drone could continue to propel itself. And it just like hit the wall that the curtain was up against and just landed really hard on the concrete floor in their in their finished basement. It was concrete, but it was still finished and livable. So of course I freaked out. It's the mini, it's super fragile anyway. Go over, everything's good to go. The only thing that happened was the gimbal got screwed up a little bit, but I just recalibrated it and we were fine. The last wreck that I know I have footage on and I'm gonna share here as I'm talking about it is with the DJI FPV. This one is sort of like more of a half wreck for me. I flew it in manual mode in an open field in Lancaster City. There was nobody around, no buildings. There were a few trees, but really it was just so wide open. There's no way anything could go wrong. And I'd been practicing on the simulator. So I had a good enough handle on it. Now, let me just say this. Flying on the simulator and fly on any simulator for that matter, not just the DJI simulator, and then flying an FPV drone for real are two completely different experiences. The simulator will prepare you enough that you can put the drone up and have at least some control of it, enough control that you can fly it around and at least get your feet wet with flying an actual FPV drone. But anyway, I took it out. I just did a few basic laps around this open field in manual mode, and it was a lot of fun. It was a challenge. It was it was exciting. It was something new for me in terms of flying drones. And then I realized it was time to land the drone, which mm, I wasn't totally prepared for. I couldn't remember how to do that other than like hit the return to home button, but that's lame. Who wants to do that? So I just brought it down to about five feet. And for some reason, when I got it down that low, I freaked out and like my fingers just started twitching because I immediately strafed left really hard and just put it right into the ground and it tumbled over, which was sucked and I was scared at first because I thought I just bought this drone and now I've wrecked it and I might have broken it and now I've got to send it in to get repaired and that's going to cost me money because even with the care refresh it's still expensive. Anyway, all this was running through my head and then I realized, oh hey, there's turtle mode on this. So I got a chance to actually test out the turtle mode where it flips, I don't have it right next to me, but it flips the drone over if it lands on its back. So you can like the one side of propellers will start spinning really fast and it'll flip it over so it's right side up. And this is in case you wreck it in a place that you can't easily get to it or it's like on the top of a building or it's in the middle of nowhere and you're basically if it's hard to get to your drone and you can't go retrieve it physically, turtle mode helps you to be able to flip it and then launch it and bring it back to you after you've crashed. So I got a chance to test that out. And when I went to go check out the drone and any damage that was done to it, absolutely nothing was done to it. I did have arm bracers on it, so I think that helped a lot to keep the arms intact, and I would highly recommend that for anybody that flies the DJI FPV. The only thing that sort of sucked is that there was grass like all through it because when it went into turtle mode, it cut the grass around it and all the little blades of grass got stuck in like the drone. So I had to go through with a canned air and a little like microfiber cloth and clean all of that out. So that was a pain in the butt, but overall nothing damaged. So it wasn't a huge deal, but those are my four accidents that I can recall. And that I think that's it. Uh, so hopefully no more, I'm sure there will be, but hopefully no more in the future. 
Next question is, do you charge extra for airspace approval? This is more like a business question, and I didn't really order these too much when I went through them. I thought I'll just address them as we go, because I also find it kind of odd that I sit here and talk about myself at length like this. So I, I did just want to keep things a little chopped up so it's not so awkward for me to continue telling my story. It's just weird. And I'm hoping that this episode is shorter than other ones. Uh, and hopefully if there's more stuff that you need to know, you'll just pick that up in other episodes or on other videos on my YouTube channel, or maybe I'll do another one of these. I, I don't know. Anyway, do you charge extra for airspace approval? It largely depends. So if it's airspace approval that I need to actively work for, like I need to file like paperwork and need to get special permissions from certain entities, yeah, I'm gonna charge extra for that because that's a lot of time invested on my part. And it also is the time that I spent learning about the different airspaces and what you can fly in with special exceptions, what you can't fly in no matter what you do. So there's knowledge that I had to gain, take time to gain, that I'm now providing my client indirectly sort of. And then there's the time of actually filing that paperwork and getting the approvals that I need. But if it's something where like I can file for a lank approval and I can get it that afternoon of the flight, no, I'm not going to charge my client for that because getting LANC approval doesn't cost me any money and it takes like five minutes of my time. And then the response back is usually pretty instantaneous. If not, it takes maybe a half an hour in a worst case scenario. So yeah, if it's something like that, I'm not going to be charging extra for that. That is a good question though, because it sort of breaks into the, what do you charge for and what do you not charge for? And my overarching rule for anybody out there that does freelance work, that owns their own business, is this. If you had to take time to learn how to do something, learn information about something, invest money into equipment to do something, or just take the time to do something for somebody else anyway when it relates to your job, you should be charging money. There's no reason that you should do anything for exposure. There's no reason you should do anything for free unless you so choose, and then that's sort of on you. But if somebody pressures you into doing something for exposure or as a favor or as relationship building is one that I've heard recently, don't do it. Just, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your effort. You worked really hard to gain the knowledge that you gained. You invested your time, your money into the equipment you need to do your job. Don't give that away for free because it is so valuable. And the number one thing that you have that is worth, I mean, it's, it, there's no value on it because it's such a, a finite commodity. And once you're out, you're out is your time. I mean, we only have so much time on this planet, and if you're investing it in somebody's project, they should be paying you for that time. So that, that's just my feeling, and that sort of breaks into this whole do you charge for airspace approvals, which it's a good question, but it just really largely depends upon what type of airspace I'm flying in. So the next question is, how many batteries do you like to own? Again, sort of on the business side, but also plays into the hobby thing. I think it really depends upon how much you like to fly. Now there is a certain point where you don't wanna push the drone too hard because those motors do heat up the more that they work. So if you go too long in one sitting, you could cause problems for yourself and your drone down the road or instantaneously if they get that hot. So you do sort of have to temper how often you fly a lot in one sitting, or you have to pace yourself as you're flying a lot in one sitting. So like give your drone maybe like a 10 or 15 minute break to cool off and then go ahead and put a new battery in. But there, there is a, a balance that you need to strike, especially when you've got several batteries. I personally, 
have five batteries for my Mavic 2, that the Pro that I have now. I've got three batteries for the DJI Mini, and I've got two batteries for the DJI FPV. And I think five batteries is a little overkill. I got five, I had six at one point, but I have five batteries now. And the reason for that is, is I don't wanna say early on in my career with Drone Geek Productions and having Drone Geek Productions do business in Lancaster County, I was hired to do a project that had I mean, four or five hour shifts in a row, and I was expected to be on the ball all the time, ready to get drone footage of certain things taking place on this particular site and scene. So I needed to have that drone in the air almost the entire time I was there. So I went out and bought a bunch of extra batteries. It was an investment because they're not cheap, but it was worth it because in the end, I was able to put that drone up, keep it up as long as I needed to, and then if I needed to change the battery out, I'd just pull it down and change the battery real quick and I was good to go. So I had six at one point, I have five for the Mavic 2, again, three for the DJI Mini, and I have two for the DJI FPV. It gives me a good balance of being able to fly for just about as long as I need to in almost all cases, but it also tempers how often I do that by not giving me too much flight time and allows my drones to get the break that they really work hard and deserve. So question number seven, and we've got two more after this. When will you go full acro with the DJI FPV? Question is, I already have. Or yeah, the question. The answer is, I already have. Uh, the question actually should be, when am I going to post a video of me going full acro with the DJI FPV? I'm gonna give you a short clip here of me doing those laps that I talked about with my accident that I had in that field. So you can get a little taste of where I'm at with my full acro manual mode in the DJI FPV, but I'm not quite there yet. That's really the answer to this question. I can do it, I can fly well, but I can't fly around to anything interesting. So until I can fly confidently around something that's interesting or over something that's interesting, I think I'm going to hold off. And I know that seems counterintuitive to investing in the DJI FPV. You'd think that I'd be posting stuff immediately, but here's the thing is like, I like to entertain you guys. And I like to, whether it's me standing here on camera, talking about something, being goofy, whatever the case may be, or putting together a drone highlight reel. I really like to make sure that the content is as high quality as I can provide and has meaning to it. So I don't just want to post videos of me flying the DJI FPV around in a circle over an empty field. I'd like to be able to do it over something interesting that actually enhances the view of that thing or that area. So it's coming and I'm estimating that I'll be ready to do that probably, I don't know, maybe by September, who knows? I'm gonna try it in Alaska because it's so remote out there that there's no safety risk really other than other manned aircraft, but I won't go up that high anyway. Uh, so I'm gonna try it in Alaska. We'll see how that goes. And if I get something really good, I will definitely share it with you guys because I'm sure that I'll be super proud of it <laughs> once I actually nail it. So it is coming, I, I promise. And I'm getting good enough at this point that I'm not gonna be the best FPV pilot you've ever seen, not by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll put something kind of cool together. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, next question though is, what are your dream places to use your drone? So I've already flown in some really cool places. France being one, that's probably a dream place. 
Uh, Utah was another one. Utah was a lot of fun. I can't say that it was on my bucket list or like my dream list of places to fly my drone, but it turned out being a super awesome experience. The landscape in Utah, if you've never been there, is phenomenal. You can go from the desert to these really green, lush mountainscapes to these grasslands. It's You've never seen a state like Utah if you haven't been there. It's just amazing, and it was a phenomenal time flying the drone there. We're going to be going to Alaska in August, so that's going to be awesome. I know I'm going to love flying my drone there. But in terms of places that are like on my bucket list, that's a good one. Uh, I would say somewhere in Southeast Asia would be really cool. I'd love to go to an environment like that. Asia is just like one of those areas of the world that has so much history. It's one of the oldest places in the world next to like Africa and the Middle East. But it's one of those places that has just a very deep and long history and it's one that I'm not familiar with and I'd like to learn more about and I think I can do that if I implement my drone into it because when I take video or photos with my drone if it's of a particular area or a topic I like to look up information about that area or that topic or that thing so that I can share it with the people that I'm posting the photos and the videos for so that's how I do my learning indirectly a lot of the time except for like with sky high history I'll actually research a topic ahead of time and determine whether or not it's worth an episode of Sky High History. So Southeast Asia would probably be towards the top. Australia is another one that I would love to fly my drone through Australia because the landscape there looks incredible, at least, you know, on the outside edges and the inside too. I mean, it's a lot of the same on the inside I've heard, but on the outside edges would be really cool to get some of those beach shots around Melbourne or uh, Sydney. That's that's high up there. Uh, I would say Africa is probably another one. And that just for the pure fact, like to take it on a safari, like to go out and film wildlife in Africa, lions, elephants, giraffes, you know, all of those things would be so cool. And to, it just gets me excited even thinking about it. So Africa may actually be towards the top of the list, like above Asia, but it's neck and neck there. And then another one that's more of a lower on the bucket list, I know it's attainable and I'm probably going to end up doing it, would be in the Scandinavian region, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Iceland, somewhere in that region because it's cold up there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cold up there. And the landscape is very unique. It's very mountainous and there's a lot of cool like volcanoes in Iceland and there's lots of mountain regions through Sweden and Finland and Norway. Just very, very cool landscapes that I think through the lens of a drone would be awesome. So that's the short list of my dream places that I'd like to go. Really, ideally, I'd love to be able to just travel the world and fly my drone around the world because that would be the ideal lifestyle for me. That would be so much fun to just lean on social media and post all of my adventures through the eyes of my drone to my social media accounts and get paid for it. That is like the dream. So that gives you an idea of, just from the questions that you asked through Instagram, who I am, what I do, what my aspirations are, and what I believe on some of these drone topics. I'm sure that you knew some of this information if you've been watching me on YouTube for any length of time. I'm not somebody that's shy about sharing my opinions, my beliefs, and I certainly, while I don't like talking about myself in length, am not afraid to share things about myself when it's appropriate. So hopefully a lot of this is informative to you guys, but I understand that Probably some of it you already knew, and I'm happy to hear that because that means that you've been watching my stuff and I'm doing a good job of showing you a little bit of my world. But before we wrap up today's episode of Let's Talk Drones, the podcast, we have one more question. This comes from a good friend of mine. Her name is Miranda, 
and she follows me pretty pretty closely on Instagram. She supports me. She likes my stuff on occasion. I, she could do it a little bit more. Uh, but she decided that she was going to ask me a question for this episode of the podcast. And this is what she had. Out of every question in the entire world, she could have asked me anything. I had nothing off limits. He could have asked me anything about droning, could have asked me my opinion on a particular topic. There were no limits here. This is what Miranda decided to ask. Do you poop from your butt? That's, that's what she asked. I know, I know. But since I made a promise that there were no limits and that, uh, you know, I'm going to answer any question that you throw my way, I'm going to answer this one. And the question uh, surprisingly is no, I actually poop out of my mouth. I put food in my butt, sort of like that episode of South Park. And I allow it to be digested through reverse osmosis in my stomach. And then the turd actually comes out of my mouth. And that's what you found on your pillow last night. So yeah, remember that. And, uh, you know, don't sleep with your mouth, mouth open is like the only thing that I could probably tell you. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, she was trying to be funny and she's not funny, but that was her question. That's my answer to that. So anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap this podcast episode up again. I really wish that I could have had somebody else on here, but I did see this as a good opportunity to open the floor for some questions and share a little bit more about me on a more open-ended platform. I like to do Q and A's on my Instagram every once in a while, but being able to just do a video here and a podcast episode on Spotify to talk about some of the questions and the answers that I have for you in length is a nice way to break things up a little bit. So hopefully the opportunity pops up again. I don't want to do it anytime soon, but maybe like a year or two from now, this opportunity pops up again so I can do a little bit of an update for you and sort of talk at length with what's going on with me and where I stand and all the things going on in my life. But for now, this is good. And I just want to say, remember, if you haven't already hit that follow button on my Instagram account, I really appreciate everybody that follows my Instagram and likes my stuff. It means the world to me. And every time I get in there and I get that dopamine kick and see all the likes that I'm getting, of course, it brings my day up. So I really appreciate your continued support there. Of course, if you haven't already and you're on YouTube right now watching this, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are on the quest to 1,000 subscribers. So if you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that because I've got a lot of great drone-related content coming your way in the future. This is your second reminder to go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you want notifications every time I post a new video on YouTube, make sure you hit the bell icon right next to the subscribe button and you can set it so you get alerts every once in a while or every time I post new content, whatever you want, but it will send a notification to your browser, to your computer, to your device, letting you know that I posted a new video. And of course, I don't mention this very much in in my actual YouTube videos, but remember to check me out on Spotify. If you have a long commute and you want to listen to something drone related, whether you're going to work or you're on a road trip, whatever the case may be, make sure you check out Let's Talk Drones, the podcast on Spotify. It is the perfect companion for the drone lover when you're driving to your destination, no matter again, if that's to work or if you're on a road trip on your way to vacation or something else, Let's Talk Drones, the podcast on Spotify is the right choice for you. Until next time, I'm Chris, the Drone Geek, and I am out of here.